The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Good morning. Uh, thank you. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a great uh, time being here with uh, Brother Derek. We came in Thursday, actually, and they've, uh, I was going to say, wined us and dined us, but I don't know if that much, wasn't much wine in there, but a lot of dining. Well, we've uh, had a great time with them, uh, with uh, Derek and Holly and Keith and Cassie. And, uh, you know, I was trying to get in my head, say, Pastor Derek, come on, come on, say, Pastor Derek, you got to get that in your, because, you know, I'm just used to saying, Derek, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, he's 18 when I hired him, and uh, <laughs> there's lots of stories we could share, but we don't have time for all that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I can think back to who gave me my start, and, you know, you just, there's a special place in your heart for that person, uh, the first one to hire you, and think that you could do something with whatever ministry, and so uh, the church there at Frenchport in Camden, Arkansas, is where uh, uh, I, was, I was actually looking for someone to work with our students. We had a small church from 40, 50 people, but we had a bunch of children that were coming in, students. And so uh, I called a pastor nearby, and he said, there's a young man in my church. He said, I think he could be the guy for you, and his name was Derek Armstrong. So gave him a call, and next thing you know, he's, uh, we talked in my office, and then he's on stage playing his saxophone. I thought, well, if you can play a saxophone like that, you're bound to be, you're bound to have something, you know, and going for you. So I actually hired him right there on the stage. I just, as I was going to preach that day, I said, do you want the job? And he said, yeah. <laughs> so that started our relationship. And, uh, of course, he met Holly there in our church, and I married them, and then uh, Keith and Cassie were right there, and uh, I, was, I said in the first service, I said, Keith, uh, I watched him play baseball with his family and spent a lot of time just with the next family, uh, and I know you've met Ronnie and LaDonna probably from time to time, but anyway, just had a good relationship with all of those kids and been so excited to see them grow up and to be, have this opportunity to come here and minister to you guys and you know even as young just kids I'll call them kids as young kids there were some of the Keith and Derek are some of the finest young men I knew they were just solid and it's bear born witness in their life as they've been able to go now here and, and minister and uh, not to say it wasn't all it wasn't all easy getting here but uh, God is faithful to us and so anyway it's a privilege for me I I was shocked when he called me and uh, it's a privilege for me to come and just share with you guys for a few minutes today Awakening Influence, what uh, my kind of subtitle was, is he came to make us better. And that's what I heard when, when Brother Derek said, I want you to come, you're going to be the last, uh, you're going to preach the last sermon about Awakening Influence. So he came to make us better, and it just brought me to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So he came to make us better. He came to give us our only shot at life. You know, this life that we're living is not a dress rehearsal. It's the real deal. It's, it's the performance. What you do on this earth, you, you need to do. You need to make a choice. And what God came to do is say, I'm going to send my son and he's going to bring li real life to you. Not just life on the earth, but life eternal. You know, I like to say one day we're going to just wake up dead. I mean, we're, I don't know how it's going to happen. Be nice if I was asleep when it happened so I could really say, wow, I woke up and I must be dead. I'm here with the Father. But the Bible says to be absent from the body is be present with the Lord. And that's a great 
comfort to us knowing that this life is not all there is. There's so much more after this. But this is the, this is the life that we live where we have a choice as to how we want to worship. How hard do you want to worship? How hard do you want to serve God? How hard do you want to live and walk with Christ? How much do you want to glean and know? And so this is our chance. But Jesus came, though, as a life giver. Uh, his very nature is to give. His very essence is to lift up and encourage, to connect with people, uh, to save people, to have conversations with people. And everywhere he went, if you read through the Gospels, everywhere Jesus went, every time he had an encounter, he made somebody's life better. There's two stories I want to talk about today. And the first one is the story of Zacchaeus. And I know you'd say, well, it's, well, it's a children. We could, we could go to children's church and hear that. But when I was, uh, my kids were little, we, of course, had all the Bible story books and uh, every night I would try to read them a story, and I'd let them pick them out uh, sometimes, and sometimes I'd pick them out to make sure we got through all of them. But it was just a very good thing uh, for them to know about all the things the Bible talks about, even at a young age. And the story of Zacchaeus is one of their favorite stories. Uh, in Luke chapter 19, I want to read a portion of it. It just says that Jesus entered Jericho, and in my notes I just put, to make people better. That's why he went to Jericho. He went there for that purpose, to make someone better. And he made his way through the town, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. And he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a glimpse. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore or fig tree that was beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. He called him my name. He said, Zacchaeus. He said, come quick. I want to come to your house today. He said, I must be a guest at your house today. I want you to notice some things that Zacchaeus had heard some things about Jesus. He was curious. Well, somebody told him. He heard it from somebody about some things that Jesus had done. And I want to encourage you today that talking about uh, influence today, talking about awakening influence, we have the opportunity to recognize the words that we speak, you know, have influence and power and more often than not, people become curious because they hear about something. And rather than hearing it from Oprah or hearing it from Fox News, why, not, why can't they hear it from you? What they can't, can't they hear something exciting about what's going on in your life or in someone else's life? But it's about, you know, ultimately it's about Jesus and what he's doing. So Zacchaeus was curious because he'd heard some things about Jesus. So he said, I want to go and I'd like to go see what this man looks like. I just want to see him. So that curiosity took him uh, to see Jesus, but he ran into an obstacle and he couldn't see over the crowd because he was short in stature. And so he actually ran ahead and climbed a tree. He overcame his obstacle by climbing up a tree so he could just get a glimpse of Jesus. And I'm sure, I mean, it seemed like he was the richest guy in town. It would have been something that might have been difficult for him to, you know, kind of humbling in a sense to say, I'm going to have to climb a tree to see Jesus. But he was willing to do it and it, it actually paid off because Jesus stopped right at the tree, looked up at Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house today. I want to spend some time with you. And, you know, that's what's really cool is that, you know, when, when Zacchaeus heard that, he, it was more than he could ever imagine that was going to happen, that Jesus was actually going to be a guest at his house. Now, notice what happens quickly in verse 6. It says that after he climbed down, it says the people were all displeased. Uh, you know, this guy's a notorious sinner, and they grumbled, and they complained. And I just want to say, you know, it's easy for the religious people to complain about what Jesus is doing. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves over on the religious side when we begin to complain, when something's not quite like we think it should be, or sometimes the music's a little too loud or not loud enough. Or, you know, we find ourselves in this mode of thinking it should be a certain way. 
And instead of just going with the flow and understanding that Jesus never did the same thing twice, you know, and God in all his creation, if you look at all that he's created and all that he's done, he's not a boring God and he doesn't really like to continue to repeat himself over and over about the same things. He wants to do it in a different way. And so when you're want to have an encounter with God and we have this preconceived idea about how it's going to look or how I'm going to share the gospel with someone or how I'm going to help somebody let's just be open and say God I'm just ready to do it however you want to get it done I'm just ready I'm ready to be a partner with you and that's exactly what happened you know they were all complaining because Jesus was going to Zachary you know going to his house but what God was wanting to do was awaken influence in Zacchaeus and so it says uh in verse 8 it says that uh as he's spending time with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'm going to get half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, uh, I'm going to give back four times as much. And Jesus responded, saved. You saved. Salvation has come. You know, too often we have this preconceived idea about how people get saved. I know a guy got saved in the ditch. He, he pulled over his 18-wheeler truck on the side of the road. He went out the passenger side, fell down to the ditch, and cried out to Jesus. He got saved. He wasn't in some walls. He wasn't at an altar. He, I don't know that he heard a sermon. He's just driving down the road. He feels conviction. He knew what to do. He stopped his truck. He got saved in the ditch. People can get saved anywhere. People can get saved next to you on a plane. People can get saved next to you in line at Walmart, if, especially in some of the Walmart lines I've been in. There's plenty of time <laughs> to uh, get... Okay, let me just take it aside real quick. You know that girl at Christmas they were saying that would help you get to the line with nobody in it? I, I never could find that girl. <laughs> Did y'all see those commercials? I'm looking for her. She was all pretty and cute, and I'm like, where is that girl? Okay, okay, sorry. They told me to stay on script. I'm really trying to, but I just kind of got, got distracted there just for a second. Anyway, so... Uh, so anyway, Jesus, I want you to notice that he didn't condemn Zacchaeus. He didn't say, wow, you're charging too much for these taxes. You're cheating people, Zacchaeus. No, he's just spending time with him. And just his encounter with him caused Zacchaeus. Just Jesus is giving and Zacchaeus saying, I want to change. And, and I just think how cool that is just to think about our, the relationship that we have in Christ and having Christ inside of us. Just spending time with people brings the, about change to them. We don't have to preach to them. We don't have to tell them all the things they're doing wrong. You know, but Jesus recognized that Zacchaeus had some hunger. Zacchaeus had some desire. And Jesus just spent time with him. And in his, just being in his presence, Zacchaeus recognized his lostness. And, you know, Jesus influenced Zacchaeus in that way. And then, then uh, Zacchaeus got saved. And Zacchaeus didn't have to hear the Roman road of scriptures. And he didn't have to have, raise his hand and come to the front. And, you know, it's really cool. I like it where the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a pretty cool verse. I mean, where somebody could just get saved like that. That's why I say, you know, people, I've heard guys say, well, that guy obviously went to hell. I mean, I'm like, who knows people went to hell? Only God knows who goes to hell. You can get saved in a split second. You can get saved at the last second. We just want to believe the best, and we want to hope for the best, and we want to pray for people that they'll, you know, we've, they've heard the word and heard the truth, and we just want to believe that even in the last seconds they can cry out. I believe on 9-11 people were running down those stairs. I believe they were getting saved. I believe firemen running up those stairs were getting saved. Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. Can you imagine? I, I just want to believe, and I believe it's God's grace that there was time. 
It was time for people to, there was a lot of time to get in and get out. Lots of people got saved that day. I, I believe it. He doesn't desire that anyone should perish. The God that I know and the God that I serve, he's saying, I want all to come to repentance. He's looking for a way and, and he's looking for a partner. And that's what this series is all about. Awaking the influence that's inside of us. That we could be a partner to Jesus to say, I'm willing to share a word. I'm willing to give someone a rhema word, a, a word in season, a word that they need right now. I'm willing to spend two minutes sitting beside someone or standing in line with someone and just let them feel the love of Jesus come out of me. Or smile at them. Even that is sometimes amazing to people. They're surprised. The second uh, story that I want to talk about is when Jesus found himself at the well with the Samaritan woman. And this is in John chapter 4. And it starts off by saying that, that Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. And, and just let me stop there and, and, and say that we, it's important that we be led by Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one that leads us to have these encounters with people. Ministry opportunities, if you want to call it that. But uh, Holy Spirit's the one, and that's why it's important. And I believe that's why David said, early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. In other words, David recognized, wow, I just want to get in your presence. I just want to feel your presence. I want to be in your presence. I want to acknowledge that you're my God and you're the one that's leading me. And then as he went through the day, whatever happened, whether it's, of course, in David's instance, it's whether the lion or the bear attacks or you know, whether God's giving him songs or whatever it was, he just started his day off ready for whatever would happen. And I, I've just tried to do that in my life. It's just, I'm not saying it happens every day, obviously it doesn't, but because we're not perfect, but we strive to say, you know, I just want to be led by you today, Holy Spirit. I'm asking for you to lead me and guide me and help me to be at the right place at the right time. And sometimes that means I have to stop at every light. You know, they all turn red. You know, it's, it's about timing. And uh, I'm just like you. I'm hollering. I'm like, come on, what's the deal? I mean, I don't understand. But sometimes God is trying to slow us down so that we're at the right place at the right time. We have the right encounter. We have the right conversation uh, that can take place. And so we need to be intentional about recognizing, Jesus, I just need you today. I just want you to walk with me today as I go to work, as I'm going to school or whatever it is that you're doing. I just want to walk with you, Jesus, and you walk with me. And then let's have this relationship so that at any moment you need me, I'm ready for service. So Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria. And so uh, I just think that's really cool. He found him, as he's walking, he found himself at, uh, you know, at Jacob's well. And you know, just as an aside, it was unusual for Jews to go through Samaria. They walked around Samaria. That's why I think the Bible puts it there, where Jesus said, I need to go through there. I want to go through there, because it was unusual. And sometimes, again, our ministry opportunities don't look like we think they were going to. We might find ourselves in a place that we don't usually go. We might find ourselves having a conversation or associating with some people that we don't usually have conversations with, because Jesus wants us to go through Samaria. He wants us to go to a place that we don't normally go. Uh, so anyway, that's why the disciples were like, why? Why do you need to go to Samaria? We, we, you know, we're Jews. We, don't go, we hate the Samaritans. We don't go there. Jesus said, I've got to. Well, what happened was he needed to have a, a conversation with this woman. In verse 7, uh, soon, he's at the Jacob's well, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was all alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. 
And the woman, and I just, again, and put in my notes, I put the world, the woman was surprised. The world will be surprised when you turn and smile and say, how are you doing? <laughs> what? Someone's talking. Are you talking to me? People are surprised. People, you know, we're all busy. We're all running here and there. We're on our phones. We're busy with all our stuff. And we're actually surprised when someone wants to stop and have a conversation with us. And this is what happened here. She's surprised. She said the woman, uh, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And again, this is about Christ being intentional. This is about him following the lead of Holy Spirit, finding himself at this. You know, I don't know how much Jesus knew. He was fully God, fully man, walking on the earth. I don't know how much, of, how much he knew, if he had any kind of foresight about this woman. But I believe that he was just following the lead of his father's will. And here he was at the well. He's thirsty. It's just a natural thing. I'm thirsty. This woman comes up. Hey, would you give me a drink? You know, asking her for something. Uh, and then this whole thing, you know, this whole conversation just, just evolves. So uh, I believe this particular woman, you know, we're going to find out later that in the scripture that she'd been married like five times and the woman, the, the man she was living with was not her husband. And I believe that she was an outcast. She was at the well at a time when no one else was there. It was just Jesus and her. And so it seems likely that she went to the well when everybody else had got their water and already gone back home. And she went later because she was an outcast, because no one wanted to talk to her. Nobody wanted to spend time with her. And in her culture, there, were, there weren't easy ways for her to provide for herself and, and her children. Uh, so it's likely that she prostituted herself uh, just trying to survive. And so there's another thing. Here she is having this conversation, or Jesus is actually talking to her. And so I believe that that, not only was she a Samaritan, but she was an outcast, and someone actually is wanting to talk to her. I think that's another reason she was uh, so shocked. And, you know, it's about the train wreck of choices that she'd made in her life, or maybe not. Maybe it were things that just happened to her. But here she was in the state. About 10 years ago, uh, something happened to me that I'd never dreamed would happen. I went through a divorce. I've been married over 25 years, and I never saw this coming, never dreamed it would happen, but, uh, but it happened. And uh, during this time, I was just uh, lost. I was lonely. Uh, I, I was struggling to find my place. I'd been pastoring at the time, so basically I resigned my church. And then I'm, on Monday morning, I remember waking up thinking, now what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do now? And, and uh, I remember, you know, I had, I had a commercial insurance license, and I'd kept it, so I thought, well, maybe I could sell insurance. And I called a company that I used to work for, and, and within, like, three days, I had a job. And uh, I was just amazed. I was like, wow, God, you, you're amazing. And, and then this guy calls me, and he said he had a real estate company there where I lived, and uh, he said, I have this apartment over my real estate place. And he said, I don't usually rent it, but he said, if you, if you need a place to live, I'll let you stay there. And so... Sure enough, I'm I like, well, that would be great, you know, because I was just starting off on a new job, a new, a new career, and just trying to find my way. And, you know, it was just a, it was a tough time in my life. I was tempted to be bitter. Uh, I, was temp I was tempted, of course, to be angry at God. I probably was angry at God at times. I was, of course, angry at my ex-wife. I was angry at a lot of people. I, I just couldn't believe this was happening to me. You know, I'd been raised to love Jesus. I'd served Jesus all my life, and 
you know, I never, what is it they say? I never smoked, drank, dipped, or any of that with the girls that do. <laughs> I never did any of that, you know, and I just served Jesus all those days. I'm like, how does this happen to me? And here I am, I'm just lost. And, and I can kind of identify with this Samaritan woman. I just felt like an outcast, you know. You, ha- you know how when you're in this place, you think people are talking about you. They're not really. They're living their own lives, but you, you think they are, especially if you're a pastor or something like that. And so I'd actually drive like 30 miles to a nearby town and go to church. And I'd walk into this church. I'd go to their early service, and uh, I'd try to come in just a little bit late and try to leave just a little bit early because <laughs> I didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> I know none of you have ever been in this situation. You didn't want, I didn't want to really talk to anybody, and I didn't want anybody talking to me. I didn't want to raise my hand that I'm a visitor. I didn't care about a free book <laughs> or gift. I didn't care. You know, when I was a pastor at a small church, I wanted to talk to anybody that came. I mean, you know, I got a live one. I got a visitor. I want to find out who they are. I would jump out the side door of the church and run around and catch them before they left. <laughs> so I was kind of reaping some of that sowing I'd done. <laughs> In those years, I found out during that time, there were people, they didn't want to talk to you. They didn't want to talk to anybody. And so because I'd been raised to love Jesus, I just, I'd tell myself, now you set yourself down on that pew right there, and you don't get up until it's over, and then you can leave. And it, I didn't want to be there. I was struggling to be there. But I just did it because I knew it was what I need. What, it's what was necessary for me during that season. I just needed to be with God's people. I needed to be in the presence of God. I needed the worship. And I'd just weep through the worship and weep the whole time. I know people looked at me down the road and thought, wow, this guy's falling apart down here. He just, somebody needs to read him the Roman road so he can get saved. And I didn't know what they thought about me. I just was like, wow, I just was broken. And during worship, it seemed like it was worse. And the, I would wish for the preacher to start preaching so maybe I could stop crying. It seemed like I could when he started preaching. I guess, I don't know, preaching didn't make me cry, but worship did. And I mean, who can figure out this stuff? But God just was so faithful. He got me a job. By Friday of that next week, I had a place to live. There was a lady that uh, I knew her from my church that I pastored there in Magnolia, but I didn't know her well. We didn't have any kind of big relationship or anything. She was married, had kids. You know, she was just a lady in the church. All of a sudden, I get a text from her. She said, uh, her name is Molly. She said, uh, hey, Pastor Terry, I just want to let you know I've just dropped off some soup and some stuff, with leftovers we had at your apartment. And I'm just like, what? I mean, I can't believe it. So I go and get it, and I'm like, wow, this is great, great food, you know? And she just kept doing that. And I'm like, Molly, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, you don't have to. She's like, oh, it's just leftovers. It's just something we're, I'm doing. I'm going to tell you, I'll never forget Molly. I'll never forget her. Talk about influence. Talk about the body of Christ just saying, she didn't know anything about me. She didn't know anything about happened, but and she wasn't judging me. She was just saying, I know you're hurting here, 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 here. She's over and over. She's just ministering to me. And that's you know what that's doing? That's just ministering to my wounds. That's just helping to heal me. Without that, I can't stand up here. I mean, it's been 10 years, but you know, I don't get over this. I have to get past this. I have to, God has to heal all this. You know, I've been married. God gave me a wife and two sons. I'd had two daughters, and I'd always wondered why I didn't have sons. I didn't know it was going to come because of divorce, but Anna had two sons, and they needed a daddy. 
And so I ended up with two sons. So we have four children together now. And we've been married 10 years this year. And so, I mean, it's a huge, to me, it's just this huge message to people who are broken, who are going through a hard time. There's hope for you. And that's where this, this Samaritan woman was. That's exactly where she was. She was at this place like, I'm an outcast. Nobody wants to talk to me. I don't even know how I'm going to survive. Well, you know, preachers preached a whole series of messages about their conversation about living water back and forth. I've got water. You'll never thirst again. Okay, I'm going to let Pastor Derek preach that to you at some upcoming time. But right now, I just want to, you know, cut to the chase where at the very end, he just said, I'm the Messiah. He told her about herself. He said, you're... He, you know, he said, bring your husband. She said, I don't have a, you know, she said, uh, you don't, you're right. You don't, you don't have a husband for you've had five husbands. You aren't married to the man you're living with. And she said, sir, you must be a prophet. He said, I'm the Messiah. She ends up going back, back in verse 28, says she left her water jar. She went back to the village and she's told everyone. She became an evangelist. Here, this outcast became an evangelist in minutes. Come, come to the well. There's a man there, he'll tell you things. He told me about, he told me, told me things that, that he couldn't have known. I think he's a prophet. And so the whole, you know, village comes back there. Aren't you glad that Jesus comes and meets you where you're at? Aren't you glad he came to find you where you were, even if it was in Samaria? Even if it was in an upstairs apartment? You know, I forgot to say, the guy said, you can live there for free, but don't take showers during the day because it was right over his office and made noise. <laughs> so I'd have, sometimes I'd call the secretary and say, is he in? Because I need to take a shower. <laughs> okay, you find yourself in these places, places you thought you'd never lived. It was really, it, it was kind of an interesting place to live. I'd open up the little screen door and the breeze would blow because on the second floor. And there was a chicken place right over here and a donut place right over here. And so every day I'm like, wow, what is chicken and donuts <laughs> donuts in the morning chicken at night donuts M molly knew i needed to eat soup <laughs> stay away from the donuts stay away from the fried chicken but you find yourself in places that you aren't you glad jesus will meet you right there in that place where you just feel so alone lost and that's my message to you today some of you, God, you know, you, you think God has left you behind. You're not going to, he doesn't need you. He doesn't want to enlist you in his army. Hey, that you're not the one he's talking about to awaken the influence. You are the very ones I'm here to talk to today. You have the greatest of influence because you've been through the greatest of challenges and faced obstacles like Zacchaeus and, and like this woman. You've... God's raised you up. He met you where you were, and He's raised you up to be an overcomer. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It just means we've overcome some stuff. You know, before I was divorced, I used to tell couples that came to me, I'd just say, you know, we're having marital problems. I'd say, go read the Bible more, go pray. I don't know. Don't come to me for counseling. I didn't know what to say. Now I just put my arms around them. I just love them. I just tell them God is faithful. I don't know what's going to happen. But God is the answer. Jesus is the answer. The last thing is that this woman, when she ran back to the village to compel all the people to come, she, she basically set her destiny for the future. 
when she did that, when she made that choice, when she threw off all, overcame all the obstacles of her shame and over what people would say. She just pushed all that aside. She ran back. She said, come, come to the well, come to the well, come to the well. Her prophetic destiny was set when she did that. History says, you know, she had four sisters and two sons. And history, church history says that she became a major key to the revival that took place in Samaria. That she won her four sisters to the Lord. And she won her two sons to the Lord. And that her two sons, out of all these marriages, who knows, they might have had different dads. But her two sons, out of all these marriages, became flaming evangelists in Samaria in that region. And they had this major revival that took place there. How many people are in heaven today because of this Samaritan woman who just went to draw water one day and had an encounter with Christ? And then she made a choice. Now, she had a choice. She could have said, you don't know me, and I don't want to talk to you. And she could have walked away, bitter or angry, just like she came up there. But she made a choice. She listened to his words. And not only did she listen and believe what he was saying, she took it and gave it to others. And it, her whole family ends up in heaven because of that. Not only her whole family, but all the people that scorned her, many of them end up in heaven because of that. And who knows uh, how many stars are going to be in her crown for all the people she won to Christ. And, and again, church history says that she was later martyred under Nero's reign. So she ended up giving her life for Christ in the end. What, what a huge testimony. And, you know, when I, was, when I was reading and studying that, I thought, wow, we've been doing this thing all wrong, you know, trying to reach our children. You know, we pray for them. We're trying to reach them. We're trying to get our prodigals to come home. What we need to do is run after all the other people. Whoever God puts in our path, we need to run after them, sowing seeds for our own family to be saved. I thought, what a concept. We spend all our energy trying to reach our own instead of just saying, God, I'm available and I'm going to trust you to take care of my own. Hello? Think about that for a second. It's about sowing and reaping. It's a principle. And instead of so focused on me and mine, I just begin to say, what do you want me to do? Here I am. Anything I have, it's yours. I'm available. And when we make ourselves available, then God begins to just provide. You know, I shared this story in the first service, but I was, I've been a pastor most of my life, bivocational. I've worked and pastored smaller churches. And my mom and dad, I didn't live close to them. You know, I lived two or three hours away most of the time. And so, you know, I, w I couldn't be the son. I'm the only son in my family. I have two sisters. But I wanted to be the son that would be there for my mom and dad when they needed a son. You need somebody to mow the grass, they need some help, need something repaired, or, you know, you know what I'm talking about, take them to the doctor. Well, I haven't been that son, I just, I'm not close. So the things that I've been able to do take a lot of planning, and I have to be, you know, you know what I'm saying. But I couldn't be the guy that just lives right there in town. And so I, years ago, I prayed, and I said, God, I'm asking you to provide a son for my parents. I can't be there like I would want to be there. I want to take care of them. I want to love on them and, and be a good son for them in their older years, but I just can't because I'm doing what you've asked. But I'm asking you to take care of my parents. I'm asking you to provide people who would do what I would do. And they've had it happen over and over. People just stopping by. My, my dad told me a story the other day. He walks with a cane. He can barely get around, but he still like rides his riding lawnmower around. You know, he mows the grass and stuff. And he'll actually ride his lawn, riding lawnmower over to where he needs to pick up paper or something. Like he just rides it like a hover around or something. Uh, so one day he was riding over to pick up some limbs, which I'm glad he does that because he needs to keep moving. 
So he's riding over to pick up some limbs, and he gets stuck in the ditch. I mean, his wheels are turning. And he said he's, it, it takes him like 20 minutes to get off. He just can't move very well. So, but he's trying to get everything. He's trying to get off. And he said all of a sudden he feels something. And he noticed this guy just pulled over on the side of the road, walked over, picked up his back of his room, set it over on hard ground, and he drove right away. And the guy never said a word. He said, I never turned off my mower. I just kind of looked at him and started to wave. And he said, I said, thank you, Jesus. That's me right there. That's God providing for my father. Because I couldn't be the truck driving up and said, Dad, let me help you get out of this ditch. So over and over and over again, he's done that for my parents. And, and so what, that's what I'm sharing with you today. Oh, and the other thing is sometimes God would, like I've mowed through the years, there have been people that God put in, my, in front of me and said, I want, I want you to mow their grass for them, older people. Like I would do that. They weren't my parents. They were just people I knew. You know, it would just be for a season, maybe for a summer or two, and then it would go away. But again, that's about sowing that seed to say, God, I'm just willing to do what you want me to do. I'm going to trust you to take care of my children. I'm going to trust you that my prodigals will come home. I'm going to trust you to take care of my parents. So anyway, I just, it's kind of an aside to this message, but I just want to encourage you. Don't become so focused on yourself and on what you need and what you want. Instead of just saying, Lord, I'm available. Be curious like Zacchaeus. I just want to I'm going to see what's going on here. I want to know about it. Jesus, I want to have everything you have for me. I want to know about spiritual gifts. You know, maybe I should be prophesying. Maybe a prophetic word needs to come out of me. Just be hungry and curious about all the things God has for you. Because God's got some incredible things for you. He's just waiting on you to want to know about it. Waiting on you to be curious. Waiting on you to ask. So I just want to encourage you today to recognize that there's great influence in you. And there's prophetic words and words that you can speak to people that will encourage them and i'm not saying you should chase people down to the car but let's don't ignore them either let's recognize hurting people when they're there let's be willing to reach out gently to them and let them know you're loved you know he may want you to make some soup and cornbread and go hanging on somebody's door periodically just be willing to do that and i believe that when we're willing to do that god's going to take care of us and take care of all that we have. Amen. Won't you stand just for a second? Just bow your heads for just a minute. I'm done, I, but I'm just going to give you opportunity. If, if you're here, let's say you're here and you just, you're like Zacchaeus. You don't really know Christ or have an encounter with him. You're not really, have not really accepted him as your savior and you want to. We're just going to have a few people up here at the end. Some of the staff, myself and my wife will be up here. And if you want to just come to Christ today. There's no better time. Today's a good day. It's a good day to come to Jesus. It's a good day to say, Jesus, I just want you. I want you in my life, and, uh, and I want to just serve you all my days. If that's you, I want you to come and grab a hand to somebody that might be up here. Or maybe you'd say, you know what, I've been screwing around. I've just been messing up. I really hadn't been focused on serving God, and I'd like to just rededicate myself during the day. I want you to agree with me. We'll be up here, and we'll pray with you. And maybe you're here, and we had this happen in the first service. You're just broken. You're struggling, and it'd be hard for you to come to the front. It would have been hard for me, and I, I'm not saying you even should. It's up to you. But I'm telling you that if you're broken today, if you're going through divorce, if you're struggling with something, whatever it is, and you're feeling like you're at the bottom, I'm happy to grab your hands and pray for you and ask God to encourage you and help you and show you the way. And so I'll be up here uh, when we're done. Brother Pastor, would you come? Thank you so much.
Can you guys let Brother Terry know we appreciate him? Thank you. Love you, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.